0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of Fan Fuel, a podcast where fans fuel talk about motorsports. Today, we get in on the nitty gritty of the season. It is 13 races down, 13 to go, halfway through the regular season. We will be grading the top 20 drivers on how they've done as far as we expected them to throughout the season. But first, there was a bunch of racing this weekend. We had a couple in the NASCAR side, and we had one at Indianapolis for the month of May as we get ready for the Indianapolis 500. So, Nathan, what did you think about that race? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't really think IndyCar's disappointed
1: this year, other than the first Texas race. So I was pretty enthused watching that race, and I actually chose to watch most of that over Xfinity. It paid off. I think there were a lot of different strategies on the track. There were a lot of... There was not as much wheel-to-wheel racing as I would have thought there would be, but it was still great racing. The strategy was really interesting to me because a lot of it came down to, you know, who would come in at this particular point and whoever would get out of clean air have a nice outlap and whoever could get too quick would win the race. And That's kind of the difference that settled the race, so... It's really fun to watch because I think it's 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 not it's not like F one where you kind of have to to manage your tires, manage all that kind of stuff. You get to you get to really push the car, and it comes down to really tire strategies more than anything. So I'm really glad that I watched it.
0: Yeah, and it was a pretty it was a pretty good race. I was flipping back and forth between it and uh, the extended race, of course the Xfinity race concluded before the IndyCar race, so I did get to see the finish of it. Uh, what was interesting to me about it is we got another first-time winner with uh, Renes VK, but that wasn't really the talking story of the day. Um, I, I don't know where to begin. Uh, Rick Ware Racing had a car lead 40-something laps in a race. That's something a NASCAR fan just would not uh, comprehend.
1: Yeah, that was interesting. I think that... Grosjean obviously did a really good job on Saturday or not Saturday, sorry Friday. I was raised that to get the pole, so he was impressive. He's actually been pretty solid this year. Um, the car is technically a Dale Coyne car with the wear name, but doesn't make him less impressive because Coyne's never really been a never really been a team that you would expect to contend for a title. So I think eventually he might change his mind on the ovals, maybe next year if he's here because he's performed well enough to where he warrants a full-time ride if he wanted to do the ovals.
0: Yeah, they could run for a championship. Uh, if, I mean, we're only going to race four oval races a year. Um, and that's something that maybe in the future we'll see from, uh, even Jimmy Johnson as well, as they've talked about that. Um, he's kind of interested in doing a test and then we'll see from there is what he's kind of been doing. But on the oval side, um, we did see a couple of races at the Concrete Monster Mile in Dover. And in my opinion, uh, I know you said you thought IndyCar was the best weekend or the best race of the weekend, Nathan. But Colton, I think Xfinity was the best race of the weekend. What what did you have to say about that race?
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um I was really entertained by the Xfinity race. Um, great, great run for Josh Berry as well, taking second. Um, I thought that was super impressive. Almost, it looked for a while there that he was gonna walk away with it. Um, but Syndrick came in, came on, and took the lead from him, got the win. So congratulations to him. Um, I will say I am a Harrison Burton fan in the Xfinity series, and I got mad beef with Ty Gibbs. You know, Harrison worked on Ty for I don't know several laps. It seemed like trying to pass him clean, and they're teammates. They're out of the. They're both out of the JGR stall. Um, past Ty clean and then Ty, I mean, it didn't even seem like that long or that much later, um, just went into the corner and didn't even look like he let off and just kind of punted Harrison out of the way. Um, you know, as much as I am a Harrison fan, it still sucks to see because Harrison's racing for points and Ty's just racing for experience and really shits and giggles at this point. So I was pretty bummed out about that, but that was just my fandom showing, um, excellent race this weekend though.
0: Yeah, it was a really good race. Um, I think the biggest thing about like what you said was Harrison's running for points. He's trying to get playoff points. He's trying to get uh, higher in the standing so he can have those going into seating for, for the Xfinity Series playoffs. And he's also racing someone who's, what, in his fourth Xfinity start at this point. Ty Gibbs is not running for points in that series and he's really just trying to get laps I'm sure we'll see him full time in that 54 car next year but right now you don't need to be making enemies especially those within your own stable Uh, I kinda wanna shift gears to Sunday's race uh, and I wanna talk about the fact that we have a championship race at a 750 horsepower track and Dover also being the same package this is, I believe, the third 750 horsepower track that we've had a uh, Hendrick car at least come close to, if not winning. And I I don't know, we saw what happened last year with Chase Elliott. I, I don't know that these guys aren't a force to be reckoned with going forward in the se- in the rest of the season.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with you. I don't think this should have surprised anyone. I knew that Whatever struggles they were having in, say, 2017, 2018, they were going kind to of last. I and mean, to obviously, they, they slowly got a little bit better year by year. All of the drivers that were previously considered weak links at one point are no longer weak links because they either have whatever personnel they need, whatever kind of experience they were lacking, it's all there. They're kind of complete across the board. I don't see any area where they're struggling in particular. I think that some teams are more consistent than others over there. But at the end of the day, they're all still fast. That's the one thing they have in common.
0: Yeah, and, and we saw a really good race from all four of the guys. I mean, the nine started in the back, worked his way all the way to the front. Kyle Larson pretty much dominated the day. Uh, and then that final pit stop kind of ruined his day. He couldn't get around Bowman. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter were kind of saying that, that may have been some team orders for him to stay behind the 48, but I I don't think they were close enough to even consider that. Uh, So I I don't know why that would have even been a thought. I mean, Alex Bowman drove his race and he, he won it uh, uh, an enormous amount of times. And, you know, I think it's, it's a good thing. We're seeing the Chevys come, you know, and be dominant this year. Whereas like you said, 2017, the whole, fleet seemed to be off and and it's kind of it's kind of neat to see how this gen six has ebbed and flowed. it was toyota for a a year or two and then it was ford last year um with kevin harvick on top and and now we're kind of seeing the chevys coming and dominating so um
2: yeah well and and mentioning chase elliott he's always struck me as kind of a, a back half of the year driver um more like tony stewart was for the majority of his career Um, Alan Gustafson has been in the sport quite a long time. Um, you're looking back to 2005 when he started crew chiefing for Kyle Busch. Um, so I, I'm still not certain that the nine isn't going to light a fire under his ass here relatively soon, or if not, even three months down the line and reveal to other teams and to NASCAR to kind of figure out what they're doing. Um, we saw that last year, Chase just kind of hung out in the back in Phoenix, the first race of the year, um, and then charged to the front towards the end. And then when it came to the final race in twenty twenty, he just absolutely wiped the field. Um, so I, I, I think the nine's gonna come on here here strong and I think they're using these a lot of the first runs at these tracks to yeah, kind of and get that was totally, the bag I, you know, for to to that They're,
1: they're a team it. that doesn't really show whatever it is that they're lacking until the end of the year. It's almost like a Jimmy Johnson trait more than anything else. It's weird is in they're not really the team that goes out there and collects points for the entire year. But whenever they do find what they're looking for, it's usually toward the end of the summer and they carry it on for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that, Nathan, because I was sitting back kind of listening to Colton say stuff and I was like, yeah, 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 this seems familiar. It seems like that Jimmy Johnson thing. Well, you got to think who is head of the competition at, Hendrick Motorsports now. It's Chad canals That's what he and Jimmy Johnson did most summers. Um, they got their, they usually got a win or two early and kind of solidified themselves in the points and then just experimented all summer. And then they showed up and they whooped everybody's ass in the chase and won seven championships. So it, it doesn't surprise me. And uh, like you and Colton said, I mean, they're probably going to come on strong and I wouldn't be surprised if they had the similar uh, result at the end of the year and just came on with the last 10 to 13 races and won the championship with that being said, that is something that kind of scared me last year with, with the four and the 11. Um, and what came to fruition was the four had stagnated those last four rounds. Well, we've got a guy that's already won three races in Martin Truex jr. Uh, he wasn't really there on sunday um so is he going to be a guy that's kind of front heavy and doesn't do well during the postseason this year i don't i would i don't think so i think it was just an off
1: race more than anything without no practice is gone you usually kind of have to hit the setup or else you're not going to do that well and given week and if you look at the last few years truex in particular has usually been the best toyota in the last 10 races ever since probably 2017 2016 he's always been the toyota to beat when it comes to speed in the in the chase and honestly thinking i don't think he's anywhere near done yet so i just think dover was a bad race he he hit a lap car and got damaged he had the hood up for a while once he lost the lead it was kind of game over i don't know i think he'll be fine
0: yeah and with that being said uh talking about what's going to happen, kind of, are these people going to get hot or not during the playoffs, uh, let's kind of look at the, the drivers kind of in the top 20 of the standings. Let's give them a mid-season review. We're 13 races down, 13 to go before we even get to the playoffs. So we're, we're halfway through the regular season. Uh, so if you guys want to to go ahead, let's, let's kind of rate these guys. Let's give them a grade. Uh, and, of course, we'll start with Denny Hammond first. Um, and, Nathan, I'll let you go first. I would say an A-, minus, just because I think that
1: the consistency alone has probably been better than he's had any other year in his career. Like, he's he had a top-five speed in probably, like, the first 10 races, and really, this week was probably the only time that he didn't have a top-five cover, which is crazy to think when the 13 races in, so... Other than that, I think the winning part is the only thing that keeps him from being an A plus because he's been the most consistent car, other than maybe William Byron. And he's kind of run up historic numbers for the last few weeks. He's had the most the most points ever gained through the first twelve races in the stage racing era, well, by like forty points over Harvard last year, and that's with two bad races at Kings and Talladega. So, I think that. It's still an A minus even without a win, but if they do start winning, then it's that's easy A plus.
2: Uh I'm gonna have to disagree with the the A rating. I'm gonna give him a, a solid B, probably leaning more towards a B plus because of the consistency. Um, the not winning thing is, is pretty big for me, but he has been consistent enough to at least gain that points lead and he's got a pretty monstrous lead right now. Um, even though he doesn't have a win. Um, But we're seeing a lot of the middle 2020 consistency out of him without the 2020 results. Um, So I'd like to see him get to victory lane. um, But, I mean, the consistency is still there. I'm just wondering if he can hold this on as other cars and other drivers really start to kind of get their momentum here, like we've seen with some of the Hendrick guys. And I'm still waiting for Harvick to kind of get his feet under him this year.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with a B- minus myself. Um, He's got 20 playoff points as he sits as the – excuse me, as he sits as the uh, regular season points champion if we were to start the playoffs today. Um, and that's less than Martin trex Jr. because he doesn't have any wins. So even that 15-point bonus there at the end of the season is not getting him anywhere. Um, he's got to go get out and get wins. And that's just the thing, like, you can be consistent all you want, but this is 2021. This is not 1991. Consistency really doesn't mean that much in NASCAR anymore. Uh, So, moving on uh, from the projected points champion as of right now, we'll move to the guy who's first in playoff standings and third in the points. That's Martin Truex Jr. I'll go A-minus.
1: No, no, no. I think I want to go A-plus for him because I think that they're probably the fastest team out there right now with the exception of maybe one other team that we're still yet to get to. Um they bring speed almost every week, except for maybe Dover. But they—they're not necessarily as consistent. But I think they're going to be the the problem team when it comes to time for the last ten or so races, because for whatever reason, they just seem to find ways to win. Um, things go their way. They're the fastest car in a lot of their wins, and I think it's going to stay that way. That being said, I don't think. It's a bad thing that he's inconsistent. or You could say stuff like that about how he doesn't necessarily... He'll dominate one week, and then he'll run fifth the next week or whatever. But I'll still give him the A+, plus just because he said it's 20-21. I don't necessarily rate um, checkers or records as high as, inconsist- or as high as consistency, but I think that the consistency is not his fault. It's just bad timing,
2: yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I'm going to go A+. Plus. Um, he has the speed. He has great consistency this year. I mean, other than a couple bad weeks, which is, I mean, it's bound to happen in racing. Um, I think he is really going to be one of the top two or three cars to beat for this championship this year. Um, I mean, he's I'm, – I'm not going to say he's a lock-in for the Final Four, but, I mean, it's, he's to be expected to be in the Final Four. Um And he's, I mean, he's really been great even these last few years. He's just really continuing his his success. Um, So A-plus for MTJ this year. Um, Can't wait to see some of these other drivers kind of catch up to him.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to go A-plus as well. I mean, across the board, Martin Trex Jr. has been the most dominant driver this year as far as wins and that's all that really matters in modern day nascar it's like what i just said about denny hamlin you got to get the wins well he's got three of them uh he's got three stage wins he's sitting at 26 playoff points if we were to go into the playoffs right now and that would put him top of the charts as the one seed uh and you know he outright deserves it so um that's i mean there's nothing much to say other than what you guys have said i mean as long as he continues on this role he's going to be the favorite for the championship uh, next up in playoff standings would be Kyle Larson, and he is fifth in regular standings. Yeah, I'll give Kyle Larson a B
1: plus just because I think that they, they're they really, really fast at the tracks they're very good at, such as um, tracks that Larson's good at. He's always been a good mile-and-a-half driver. He's always been good at unique tracks like Darlington and Dover and all that kind of stuff, so I think that the speed at the tracks that they're good at is, like, they're next to none. They they bring Rockets every week, but other than that, they do have some weeks where they're kind of invisible if you look at Richmond and a few other races. So I don't think that it's a problem necessarily that they're not winning. I think that it's a product of them being so fast that they don't have anyone to judge off of when they're 10 seconds ahead of everybody else. So I think once they figure out how to keep up with the track and make sure that other people aren't having slightly better adjustments in the races. They're, they're going to be a problem.
2: I'm going to have to go with an A-plus for Larson this year. Um, I've really been impressed with him. Granted, he is in Hendrick equipment as opposed to Ganassi, um, but he's really kind of been lighting the fire under that team this year. Um, he really should have at least three wins by now, probably even four. Um, he's just been so dominant and can't quite fin- figure out how to finish the race, um, but he's still up there getting top fives. Um, I'm going to have to go A-plus with Larson. He's another one of the cars I'm going to watch come the final four as probably one of the locks for the final four spots.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with your last statement there. I'm going to say Kyle Larson is probably a lock for one of the uh, championship four spots. But I'm going to have to go a little bit less than an A-plus. I'm just going to give him a regular solid A, that kind of 93 to 97 mark. I'm not going to put him in the upper echelon. Uh, he's got six stage wins, the most in, in the series. Mm-hmm. He's uh, – He's led the most laps out of everyone, surprisingly, um, and he has the most fastest laps as well. Um, I mean, the guy's doing everything except for finishing these races. And if he can, if he can pop another win or two off, I would put him as um, the favorite over Martin Drugs Jr. Uh, later in the season uh, if he could match the the win total of the nineteen. Uh, Next up in playoff standings is the number 24 of William Byron. He's actually sitting second in regular season point standings. He is 101 points behind Denny Hamlin, and he just eclipsed Martin Truex Jr. this week. Um, I'm going to go A-plus because, first of all, if you look at him last
1: year, nobody really thought that, you know, hey, this guy is really going to be a contender next year. And he's kind of had that gradual improvement. And now that Rick Hendrick basically did tell him to go out and get whoever you want as a crew chief. So his first choice was Rudy Feeble. And I was kind of curious about this because he's been a truck crew chief. I don't know if he'd ever had any Xfinity experience or anything like that prior to, to going straight up to the pub. And I think they proved a lot of people wrong. They've had, what, 11 straight top tens now. Yeah, they're easily the most consistent. They might not be the fastest, but man, they're consistent. And I think that if they can kind of just do what Hamlin's doing and just get top tens every week, then they're going to earn themselves a lot of bonus points. Uh,
2: Yeah, I'm going to give him a solid A. I'm probably not going to go the plus. Um, But he's really kind of been on fire this year as opposed to his previous years in the Cup Series. Um, I'm really impressed with that team. I can't wait to see him get a couple more victories, which I'm sure he will get this year the way he's running. Um, I don't know if he's quite going to be one of my picks for the final four, um, but he's definitely at least going to make the round of eight, and I think that deserves an A the way he's been running.
0: Yeah, going to have to give him an A+. Um, he is on fire right now. That is not something that most people saw. I remember the latter part of last year. Uh, people were calling for him to be replaced, and – I don't know why that was. Uh, he's very young. This is only, you know, I think his third year in Cup. I mean, we gotta we gotta cut some of these younger drivers a break. And William Byron is finally coming into his own. Um, I don't know. He's set a record with eleven straight top tens. So we we're we're seeing the beginning of someone who's gonna be a superstar that's gonna be around forever. Uh, next up with playoffs standings is going to be Joey Logano. Uh nothing really much for me to say about him, so Nathan, go ahead.
1: Um, let's see. I think I'm gonna go with B minus for him because if you look at loop data for example, which I've kind of kind of nerd for that lately this year. So when you when you take everything into account, he's had a really good year on the 750 tracks to the point where he's had a top three car in almost every 750 race, aside from maybe one or two. And then you go to the 550 tracks, and he's almost a non-factor. Like it's hard to, it's hard to really describe how much of a discrepancy there is for him between the two types of tracks. But his speed alone on the 750s is enough for me to give him. It's enough for me to give him the B plus. But I think the B minus comes from the fact that they're so hard to predict as a team. Like some days they'll be up front in the entire race, and some days they'll be nowhere. It's kind of a thing to where. You don't know what you're going to get with him, so I'm just going to give him the B-plus or B-minus.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with a solid B. Um, Joey's never really been a super consistent wins driver. Um, he's just kind of usually sprinkled him throughout the year, which is what he's doing this year. Um, he's he's still having a really, really good season to be as high up in the points as he is. Um, he got his win on the Bristol Dirt, locks, kind of, so to speak, locks him into the playoffs. Um, solid B for him. I think he's going to do good second half of the year.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Nathan's rating on this. B minus. I mean, Joey Logano is one of those guys that I expect to be up front every week and kind of in the limelight. And this year, uh, I just I haven't seen him enough to say that he's having a good Joey Logano-esque year. I mean, this is someone that I expect to be annoying for the rest of the drivers because he's always going to be there and always going to be sniffing out a win. And he's just not doing that for me this year. Uh, but moving on, we're now at sixth in playoff standings and sixth in regular season standings. That's Ryan Blaney. Mm.
1: Ah man, I don't know what to do with this. I think I'm still going to go B minus for him on the fact that he's kind of had the same thing as Logano, to where some weeks he's really fast and some weeks he kind of just hovers
2: around
1: in the top fifteen. They're just so unpredictable to where I, I can't give him a definitive rating. He had races like Atlanta where he he straight up won that race on pure pace and now there are races where he's nowhere. So again, I don't want to give him a C because he's been fast every other week. So I I think it's just I, I gotta average it out at some point, which is why I'm giving him a minus.
2: B-. I'm gonna give Blaney a B plus. Um He hasn't been absolutely lights out, but he's definitely been running top five, top ten almost every week. Um, They've had speed, a little bit of bad luck sprinkled in there, not quite as much as 2020 had um, to where, I mean, stuff like he was getting taken out by his own teammate last year. Um, But they're still kind of figuring it out, and I think he's going to be a driver to watch in the second half of the year, so probably a B-plus for Blaney.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit higher than that. I'm going to put an A-minus on Ryan Blaney. I mean, uh, usually he's not someone that, I expect to do anything except for maybe one win a year Um, and you know he's good at plate races and stuff like that but he's really shown speed at the 550 tracks and then he's been there uh, kind of right in the top ten and sometimes sniffing in the top five or all the 750 races it seems Um, it's it's one of those programs that kind of need to put uh, more races together uh, at the end of the show but for a Ryan Blaney season, this is already one of the better uh, ones that he's had. So I'm going to give him an A minus, uh, giving him the benefit of the doubt. Now we'll move to the seventh position in playoff standings and 13th in points. That's the 48 of Alex Bowman. This is the toughest one for me. I know that
1: a bunch of Hendrick fans are going to grill me for this, but I'm still going to go B minus. I can't really go anything above that because of the inconsistency. And he's probably the most extreme example of inconsistency. I don't think all the finishes are really his fault or his team's fault, but it is really weird for a two-time winner to have a 17.9 average finish. And I think that it's not as big of an issue with the points format we have now. But I still I still wouldn't say that he's had a season better than St. William just because he's won another race.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. I'm gonna go a B minus on Bowman. Um, I'm only gonna really super credit him with one win because I do think that he stole Richmond off that last restart, which is just kind of a, you know, a a product of the package, so to speak. Um, the inconsistency is a real issue that they're gonna have to start working out. He does have two wins, but he doesn't have a whole lot to show for for those two wins.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go with a solid A. Um... I think for Alex Bowman to, to have two wins at this point is good. I think winning is everything for NASCAR right now, so I think that, that bodes well for him in the future. I mean, you can be sloppy and still come away with that checkered flag, and I know he's pretty much done that this year, but, I mean, for, for Alex Bowman to have a couple of wins and it not even be playoff season, that's that's pretty damn good. And uh, I think he should be dangerous come playoff time um, if they can hone in everything and get everything to not be as sloppy. Uh, Next up, 8th in playoff standings, ninth in regular season point standings is the number 2 of Brad Kieslewski.
1: I'm going to go B-plus for Brad because he doesn't necessarily have the most speed out of the Penske cars, but he gets good results. So I think it's only a matter of really – it's a matter of speed. If they get a little bit faster, they'll be there. They seem to have a better ability to get results based on where they deserve to finish than the other two Penske cars. So I really think that that's the only thing holding that. It's just a lack of speed overall. Like consistency is not an issue.
2: I am going to have to give him uh, actually less of a rating. I'm going to go a C-plus with Brad. Um, other than plate tracks, he hasn't really been a huge talking point this season. Um, I mean, and I'm sure he was at one point, but I don't remember him being a super big contender for stealing one of these wins. Sure. He's led laps here and there, but I mean, other, like I said, other than the plate tracks, he hasn't really wowed me much this year. Um, and granted he, he's been another one that kind of gets slow starts for the most part. Um, but I'd expect him to have a little bit better, you know, better. I don't even know what, what the hell I'm trying to say here a little bit better uh, results than than what he's had compared to what that two team has done in the past. Um, so I'm going to have to go with a C plus for Brad.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit lower on that, just a, a solid C. I mean, this is not a Brad Keselowski that I'm used to. Um, I, I don't know. He's he's one of those guys that I feel used to be a threat to the win. uh solid top five every week, kind of kind of effort and it's just not been that year for him. Uh, I know he's getting a little bit older and usually drivers have a slump year or two kind of in their mid-30s and that's where where Brad's at right now. Uh, And then they really spike at the end of their 30s and early 40s so I I guess he's just in one of those low seasons that mid-career kind of breakdown that that drivers get so I'm just going to have to give him a C. Uh, next up is going to be ninth in playoff standings and 10th in regular point standings. That is the number 18 of Kyle bush
1: I think I'm going to have to go C-plus on this one just, just because of his name. I don't know if this is the most weird thing for me to say, but I do find it weird that Kyle Bush is not really um, – he's not really been crazy fast, nor has he really been crazy consistent. He doesn't – have- one particular trait that makes him stand out compared to his teammates. You know, Hamlin's consistent. Truex exit wins a lot. And he's kind, of, he's kind of there for both, but he's not exceptional in either one of them. So I think that once – he needs to start beating the other guys, you know, because people say, you know, he's the best driver in the sport right now. And it's like at, at what point he's going to have to – He's going to have to start outperforming his teammates to do that or
2: right? to claim that. Yeah, I'm going to have to give him a solid C. Um, Kyle Bush, I think he's in that little low period that you kind of referred to, Alex. Um, last year, we didn't really see a whole lot of speed out of him. And I think most of that between last year and this year is the no practice. They were definitely a team that made quite a bit of adjustments practice and early of the race to kind of get their car where he liked it to be able to go out and dominate the second half of the race. Um so that's a huge factor and they're kind of figuring it out but I'm still going to go with the C even though he does have a win.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take in a little bit of what both of you guys said. I mean, Colton, you said that um practices having a negative effect on Kyle Busch. He's he's kind of one of those guys that shows up fine tunes his car and then kills the field. And, you know, that's kind of why like Nathan said he is considered the best in the business. I I don't think he's he's fallen from that statement i think he's still the best race car driver that we have right now um kyle larson is kind of putting up a fight to that but i'll still say kyle bush is the best in the business right now um so i'm gonna i'm gonna give him i'm gonna give him a b i mean after last year and knowing that this year we weren't gonna have practice except for a few races i thought it was gonna be another bad year for him but he's already got a win early so uh that surprised me and that's the only reason i'm giving him a b next up we'll have 12th in uh, playoff standings, and seventh in regular season standings. And that is the number nine of Chase Elliott.
1: This is probably the part where the Hendrick fans lose their mind. Because I'm going to have to give him a C. C. I don't really see a standout straight with him the same way with Powell Bush. There are teammates that win more than him. There are teammates that are more consistent than him. And he, kinda, he hasn't really been there. But I'm sure... Like Colton said, he's a late-season driver. That's just how the teams functioned. So you almost have to divide his grades up by the half of the season. So if he's a C in this half of the season, he'll he'll probably become an A in
2: the second half. I'm gonna have to give him a B minus just because he is a second half of the year driver. Um, I think the earliest he's ever won in a season was a uh, last year, um, and that was even at the road courses. Um, I'm going to give him a B- minus specifically because of that, because I know that this first half of the year, like we kind of mentioned to you earlier, that team's kind of sandbagging a little bit and trying to figure out their tricks. Um, we know he's going to come on second half of the year. We know that they're going to get a win at some point just because they are that good. And we still see him drive up through the field um, and get those good finishes like we saw this last week at Dover. So B- minus for Chase. I think he's really going to light it up.
0: Yeah, I don't really have anything much to add. Nathan and Colton pretty much hit the nail on the head for my opinions, so I'm just gonna split the middle of those two guys, and I'm gonna put uh, Chase Elliott and his team at a C my uh, C plus, excuse me, uh, for for the regular season so far. So next up, also uh, tied for tenth in playoff standings is Christopher Bell, and he'll be a twelfth in regular season standings.
1: I'll give him a B minus because. You know, he's been kind of on par with Kyle Busch for most of the year, which is really, really good for a second-year number. Um, he did get the win at the Daytona Road Course, which was kind of kind of out of nowhere. I don't think anyone would have expected him to win here. So I don't really see anything wrong with it. The fact that he's keeping up really well with all the better teams is pretty good.
2: I'm going to have to go with a B-plus for Bell. Um, this is his first year in really good equipment, and he's showing what he what he can do being a dirt track guy, like you mentioned Nate um no one expected him to win at the road course, so I'm excited to see what he can do the second half of the year.
0: yeah, uh, he kind of dominated the xfinity series, and um we we saw the ninety five car not really be up to expectations last year, but once he's moved into the twenty, I'll agree um we thought we had a little bit more higher expectations. Uh, And then he surpassed those by winning at a road course for his first uh, win and his second start for JGR. So I'm going to have to go ahead and give him an A because he's way outperforming expectations. Um, As far as I'm concerned, I thought he was going to be one of those drivers uh, kind of in that battle for points at the end of the regular season trying to get in the playoffs, and he's already got himself that win. So that just jumped him up a couple of grades for me. Um, Next up is another tied for 10th at the playoff standings, but 16th and somehow still 16th in points. So technically not a wasted playoff spot quite yet. And that's the 34 of Michael McDowell.
1: That's definitely A-plus for me because the fact that he's still up there in points for a team like that, that's a pretty big compliment to him. And to be fair, his cars can't really continue at every track, so he kind of has to rely on road courses, and super speedways, and all that kind of stuff to, to keep him in the fight. And he's made the most of every opportunity. You know, he finished top two at Sonoma, he won the 500. I want to say that he had another good run at Daytona Road Course. So it seems like every time that they can, every time that they do get a chance where equipment gets equalized. He, he always capitalizes on
2: it. I'm gonna have to go the B plus for McDowell um, he hasn't really been an a driver to me his whole career um, that win definitely helped him out quite a bit in the points as well as the two other top tens he got um, at uh, the road course and then I believe it was Vegas um, so I mean he's been he's been really good this year for the equipment he's in but again once we get into that 750 package um, he's, he, he's he's not much to be mentioned
0: yeah I'll kind of agree with Colton on this one. if you'd have asked me his grade after let's say race five I would have given you an A plus um, but I'm gonna have to dock him uh down to a, a solid b um He showed up the first couple of weeks like like Colton said, and that's just that's been kind of it. It is surprising to me that front row has kept that car in the top 16 in points um but I don't know how long that's gonna last. So we'll see what happens as we get closer through this uh, race to the playoffs. Uh, next up is our first car without a win, sitting 13th in playoff standings and eighth in regular season points. That'll be Kevin Harvick. This
1: is this is probably my driver of the season. Definitely an A plus because SHR got hit big with an arrow rules change with the wheel wells they're pretty much a lost cause at the 550 tracks. And it seems like every time they go to a 750 track, he gets great finishes. And he's silently had the second best average finish of the season, despite being in points because he doesn't lead many laps and he has virtually no stage points. So I think that that's, that's kind of a sign of the fact that he's pretty much carrying the team on his back because every other Stuart Haas car is 25th or worse in points. And here he is. Fighting for top fives every week that, that the cars allow for it.
2: I'm going to have to go with a B minus for Harvick. Um, being the veteran that he is, we expect him to run up front every week. And I expect him to have a couple wins by now, 13 races into the season. Um, he, they did get, Stuart Haas did get hit pretty hard with that rules change um, and has have really been struggling this year. And he's kind of found a way around it. Um, But I expect him and Rodney Childers to adapt a little bit better than the rest of that SHR stall um, and find a way up to the front, which they are doing, but they haven't found a way to lead that most important lap yet. So I'm going to go B-. minus.
0: Yeah, I'm going to kind of agree with both of you guys on that the Haas cars are not really anywhere to be found, and Kevin Harvick has somehow just grudgingly just dragged from the depths and eighth place regular season point standing. Um they might be doing it based on pit strategy with whether or not, you know, they can set themselves up for track position in that final stage or not, seeing as they don't have any stage points or whatever. But it's it's been a rough season for Kevin Harvick, someone who we expected to to back up last season's uh efforts and he, he really hasn't been able to so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that B rating. Uh, next up on the – Man, y'all are harsh. <laughs> I mean, hey. Like, I'd like my guy doesn't have a car. Like, my guy is pretty much,
1: like, he's he's got the second best average in the series with a car that's, like, every other driver's 20.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, looking oh. at it from, I mean, from who it is and how he's done since he's been at Stuart Haas, we have high expectations for him. So, they haven't been living up to it. Rules changes or not. Right, but they have yeah. it. He no, I, he isn't the problem. I know? agree with Alex. Here. You know, I don't think
2: if we're if we're gonna just, he's not the problem. It's
0: like saying
1: it's like saying Fernando is a bad driver for if, winning a race in a McLaren. We're Honda. not
0: saying he's a bad driver, we're just giving him B's and B minuses because his performance yeah. in these last thirteen races has not been good. All right, I'm going on the limb. I'm going on the limb
1: here just wait if that if that team figures it out he's going to start winning races like the growing trees.
2: And he will, but I agree with Alex if we're going to judge William Byron and Christopher Bell by their past seasons, we got to do the same with Harvick even though it'll give him a worse rating. I'm 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 am going to
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die on this hill like just wait until they're coming. Right, we're not show. talking when about that.
2: Right.
0: We're not talking about that though. I mean, if Stuart Haas figures something out and, and rattles off uh, four different wins from four different drivers, and then Kevin Harvick wins the rest of the races from the for the season after that, and they get all four drivers into the playoffs, we'll talk about that in 13 races. But right now, I mean, they've looked like a joke between all four of those cars, and Kevin Harvick's just, just dragging that car along right now, and that's just not what we expect. So that's a B for me. Moving on uh, to the 14th uh, and probably not as much of a spicy take <laughs> is going to be uh, Chris Busher. He's 14th in regular standings and playoff standings.
1: Um, I'm going to go B- minus at least for him. Um, I wouldn't say he's the most impressive driver, but he's been really impressive given the equipment he's in. And I think that kind of what we just argued about Harvick, I think that if you separate the driver performance from the equipment performance, Chris Busher is definitely making that team look really, really good. He ran in the top fifteen, ten for quite a bit of the early stages of the race on this week. So I would not be, I would not be surprised to see him get top tens on a regular basis once the cars are there. But
2: it's really he's at the mercy
1: of his own team at this point.
2: I am going to give Busher an A. Man, what he is doing in that Roush equipment is phenomenal. And if you would have told me two years ago that Chris Busher was going to be having the kind of season he is now, I, I'd have laughed in your face. Um, man, Busher has been lighting it up for Roush, a team that we have thought for the last three or four years was definitely on the downslope and going to turn more into a front row racing. Um, he has really been lighting it up. And I have been super impressed with Chris Busher Chris to see him um, climbing up those standings every week. He's been super impressive. He gets an A for
0: me. I have to say that Chris Buescher is going to get a B-plus for me. Um, I kind of see where you're coming from. He's kind of doing well for Ralph standards, but uh, maybe this is just based on uh, what you do or don't see from from the broadcasts and and from the press. But he's just one of those drivers this year that's just kind of been there for me, so I'm just going to give him that that solid B-plus. Uh, moving on to uh, 15th in playoff standings and 11th in points uh, standings is the number three of Austin Dillon.
1: I think I'm going to go another B-plus for him. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that he's a superhuman performance like, say, Kevin Harvick or Chris is relative to their pars just because I think RCR has slowly kind of been on the uptick for the last year or so. But that being said, that still doesn't make RCR like top 10 in car every week. So the fact that he's this consistent, he's doing a good job. And looking at the loop data, he's top 10 in what they call peer rating, which is production and equal equipment, which is a metric that separates car from driver performance. He's comfortably top 10, so clearly he's doing something right.
2: I'm also going to have to give him a B B+. He's another one of those drivers that if you would have told me two, three years ago that he's going to have... The kind of success that he has now, and the consistency that he has now, um, probably would have laughed at you. Um, I still think he's going to come in and steal a win the second half of this regular season, and really lock himself into the playoffs. So B plus for Dylan. I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna have to do a B for Austin Dillon, um, and then I'm gonna have to do a a C minus for RCR because personal bias um, not aside in this case, Tyler Reddick is a better. Driver than Austin Dillon, and it seems like he's not getting as much love as the three car is. I realize that the three car is the front of the staple, but come on, come on. I mean, that, that's all I got to say. I, I, Austin Dillon's have, won and, a couple of races based off of off of pit road, and and that's basically it. Or luck. I I, I, I just hey, don't like the guy.
2: Have we talked about Tyler Reddick yet?
0: Uh, no, actually, um, Tyler Reddick that's is Austin tied better for than him in points. Tied for 15th in playoff standings Ooh, all right, let's go in point standings. Only, only 43 points behind Austin Dillon. Okay. Well, I wouldn't necessarily
1: say 43 only, but I think I'm going to have to give him a B minus if I can go a B B plus. I don't necessarily fully agree that the faster driver is always the better driver. I think that, you know, NASCAR is a series where – you don't have to be a faster driver to be a better one per se. And I think that, yes, Tyler Reddick has his very good tracks, Homestead, Darlington, all those high lane tracks of the world. But if you take them to most types of tracks, I think Austin Dillon, he can grind out good finishes, just as good as Reddick can. So I really think that if he can find whatever consistency Austin Dillon has, then he'll be pretty hard to beat. But until then, I would probably give him the i B-. I'm
2: going to go with a B B-plus for Reddick. Um, based on RCR's equipment the past few years, and they're slowly getting better, based on his experience in the Cup Series in his second full-time year, um, he's doing phenomenal. And I expect if RCR keeps following this swing with their equipment and slowly getting better, um, I think he's going to be a force to reckon with week in and week out, even in an RCR car. Um, I'm super impressed with Reddick. Um, Austin Dillon still is a little bit better in points, but I'm going to give them both the same rating at a B+.
0: Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and give Tyler just a B. I gave Austin Dillon a B B+. Um, uh, he's not living up to my fanboy expectations. Uh, I know we haven't really discussed it, but Tyler Reddick is my second favorite driver on uh, the NASCAR circuit right now. Uh, to Denny Hamlin, so that is personal bias, uh, what I said about Austin Dillon. Uh, I want him to be top dog at RCR. Currently, he's not performing at a consistent enough basis to be that top dog, uh, but I, I hope that this summer stretch bodes well for him and uh, he, he knocks off a couple wins before we get to the playoffs. Uh, and that'll do it for our playoff drivers. So we're going to go through 17th through 20th in points, and 17 points out in 17th, is the 21 of Matt DiBenedetto.
1: Oh, man. I This is another confusing one. Maybe it's because I haven't paid enough attention to the Wood Brothers. But I think I'm going to have to go with a solid, like, as high of a C-plus as you can go, I'll give him, because they had a really, really rough first few races. I don't think it was all his fault at all. But, man, you would have thought, like, okay, these guys are they're bordering – outside, they're bordering to be near 30th in points, and then the last few weeks they've really turned it around. So by law of averages, I would give him a C, but I think if he continues his track, then he's not going to be C for much longer.
2: This one's my toughest one to pick out of the entire bunch. Um, I want to give him a C plus, but I'm leaning more towards even a C-. I know the type of driver he is, and Wood Brothers equipment has been getting better, but he hasn't really been performing to the level that I'd like to see. Um, I'd really like to see him rattle off a win here soon, and I almost would have expected him to do it by now the way he ran in that 95 car. Um, I'm going to have to go with minus C- for Benedetto. and he is, to your point, Alex, he is my second favorite driver in the field.
0: That is fair. I mean, Matt Benedetto is uh, probably a fan favorite driver. I, I got the pleasure of meeting him. Uh, while he was still driving the 83 car for BK Racing uh, in Atlanta. And one of the most humble guys in in the sport. And I know he wasn't very well known at that time. But uh, he spent about 25-ish minutes talking to me and a couple of my friends that I had up there visiting. Uh, uh, t- I took them to the race for the first time uh, right before driver intros. And he's one of those great guys. Uh, he's not really ever performed... To a superstar status on track. And this season, I think he is getting to that kind of race car driver mentality. Whereas, he's not racing for his life anymore. And you can see that. And if I were solely looking at the numbers, I would have to give him a C-. But I know that those first seven-ish races... Or just bad luck race after bad luck race. So I'm gonna go up and give him a solid B. Um, and then next up, 18th in points, 30 points out of the playoffs, is the number one car of Kurt Busch.
1: Okay, this is this is a hard one. Um Oh man, I'm gonna have to go B minus. Just because I think that Ganassi as a whole is having a really, 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 really rough year. So I don't know how much has been his doing. Um, he has had a couple really good runs, like Atlanta, that were kind of just bad luck where he got taken out. Um, I think that he's still within range of pointing his way in, but he seems to be one of those drivers that just steals a win out of nowhere, you know, once a year. And I think that he might still do that. That's just the way Kurt Busch is. I would never. He's one of those drivers you can never really count that he's still a B minus after all he's been through.
2: I have to go with a solid C for Kurt. Um, I think Ganassi is kind of having a little bit of an identity crisis now after losing Larson last year. And then Matt Kenseth not returning this year, Them obviously filling that role with Ross Chastain um, kind of like they did in the mid two thousands when they brought Reed Sorensen and David Stremian in. Ganassi's kind of trying to find their feet again. And they're leaning on Kurt Busch a little more than I think they should be. Um, I, I still think he's going to come in and steal a win. He's one of my drivers without a win that I think is going to get one before this playoff cut. Um, however, it's going to be a solid C just because they've they've really had some consistency issues.
0: Yeah, I expected a lot out of Kurt Busch, um, especially since he's been at Ganassi. He's he's kind of been that, that trustworthy guy that's going to be kind of tight, fighting in between the top 15 and the top five and then eke out a win. Uh, Once or twice a season, and I haven't really seen that from him this year. I don't know if the loss of Kyle Larson um, hurt uh, last year, moving on to this year. Uh, It doesn't make sense to me because Kurt's a guy that's really technical. Uh, He really knows how to set up cars, he's really good at driver coaching his teammate, Um, and you haven't seen anything from the 42 as well. Uh, And Ross Chastain is one of the hardest drivers out there. So I I don't know. um, I don't know why. We're, we're at this point, but I'm going to have to give him a C-. minus. Uh, and with that being said, uh, the next guy is uh, 32 points out, so right there nipping at the butt, uh, the heels of Kurt Busch, and that's the 47 of Ricky Stenthouse Jr.
1: Oh, man. I'll give him the D+, because for a while he was the only driver to have top 20s in every race up until I don't remember what race it was, but he's he's contended pretty well. I remember last year he was a bit of – he was kind of a bit of a laughingstock. Without, you know, he wrecked on the first lap of racing after the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. But he's solidly been in the top 20 most races this year for a team that really hasn't been all that great. Um,
2: I'm going to have to go with a C for Stenhouse. Um, I see the talent that Priest has as a driver, as his teammate, and can see what he can do in the uh... – the JTG cars. Um, I'm not thoroughly impressed with Stenhouse. Granted, I never have been. He is my least favorite driver in the field, so obviously my bias kind of plays in here. Um, it has been cool to see him get a couple really good finishes here and there, but all in all, I'm not a huge fan when he does well, so <laughs> definitely bias plays in here. I'm going to have to go with a C for Stenhouse.
0: Uh, I'm going to have to go the opposite of you guys, and I'm going to give Ricky Stenhouse Jr. an A. What? Um, he is some... He is one of those guys that we expect to be trash, okay? And he's gotten a couple wins because he's damn good at super speedway racing. Um, He is one of those guys that we expect to just wreck. He's Wrecky Spinhouse Jr. is his nickname. He is outperforming. I mean, look at the point standings. Six of the next seven drivers are total bulldogs when it comes to racing. And, and he has outperformed all of them, which means he's had to pass them a few times. And all of those guys that I'm I'm referring to, I'll go over in a little bit after we get done with our uh, 20th place driver, um, are just really aggressive and, and really bring the heat when it comes to it. And the fact that he's risen above them in the point standings says a lot about his effort this year. So I'm giving him the A. And for our final grade of the day, we're gonna go with the 38 points out driver of Ryan Newman.
1: Okay. Well, I guess I'll go solid C for Newman. I think that as we've elaborated on Busher, we've said that Roush, they're they're slowly getting better. They're still not. With how Busher's performing, I think that that's sort of making me give Newman the C, just because I think that. The Roush cars, they clearly have something in them if Busher's having the season So I think Newman hasn't done all that bad, but I just don't think he's been as good as Busher.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go a C- for Newman, um, just because we have seen, whether it be the Roush equipment pickup or just Busher lighting it on fire, um, we haven't seen those kind of results out of Newman yet. Um, granted, he is in the back half of his career more towards the end of his career, um, so I don't really expect him to do much every week, but he hasn't really been a talking point um, like he was even in a few races that he did really well last year. Um, we saw him almost win the Daytona 500 last year, um, as well as pull out a couple really, really good finishes, and I just haven't seen much out of him this year that leads me to believe he's going to repeat that.
0: Yeah, I'll give him a solid C as well. Um, he's, he's one of the drivers I was referring to as being kind of a bulldog to pass, um, he, he's always there, uh, and this year that seems to be the only thing that I can say about Ryan Newman. Um, he hasn't really had one of those breakout races, uh, kind of like you were alluding to, uh, Colton, to, to really have me kind of saying, yeah, this is a good year from Ryan Newman. It's just kind of average, and and that's what the C stands for. Um, so what i like to do now is I'm kind of going to go through quickly the rest of the point standings uh to the 30th position because that's really the only competitive cars that we've got uh and if there's anyone that stands out to you guys um after i get done listing everybody just uh we'll talk about them and we'll discuss uh so 21st bubba wallace 49 points out 22nd daniel suarez 56 points out ross chastain in 23rd at 58 points out then Priest, Custer, Jones, Briscoe, Amarola, Alfredo, and LaJoy. So, I mean, for me personally, the two, I guess I I should say the three SHR cars being 25th, 27th, and 28th was really surprising to me. They were kind of uh, one of the dominant teams uh, in the past, you know, four or five years. And I know that Chase, Briscoe, and Cole Custer are young. Uh, and I know Eric Almirola is kind of getting up in the, up there in age, but I, I just see this as no excuse for the Stuart Haas program.
2: Yeah, I could agree with you. The three that stand out to me are uh, the 23 of Bubba Wallace, the 99 of Daniel Suarez, and then the 7 of Corey LaJoy. Um, granted, Corey LaJoy is falling in the points, um, but he has really had a couple – decent runs in there and he's racing for spire motorsports um a team last year and the years before that we saw really just kind of being one of those uh field fillers that just kind of ride around collect a paycheck kind of like the rick Ware cars um but lajoy's really i mean trying his best to turn that that uh that team around um bubba i mean he's the only driver in the field outside of the top 25 that i would really give as low of a rating as a D minus just because of the expectations they had and the runs that they have had and kind of shit the bed with. Oh, and then Suarez has really been outperforming his equipment. Um, granted, the Marks team is really doing well, and they've, they've shown that they are really here to compete. Um, Suarez has been doing great. He got a top 10 at Dover this last week. Um, He led a bunch of laps at the Bristol Dirt Race. I'm really excited for that team moving forward and really excited to see Daniel Suarez get some success.
0: Yeah, and real quickly, um, I would say I would like to echo pretty much everything you said about Daniel Suarez. Um, That team is definitely the new team on the block that is performing the best as far as expectations, and I can't wait to see what they are doing. But uh, you, you spoke a lot about Corla Joey, and I just wanted to add to your your thoughts there I mean Corey has come into a program um that really just hasn't been there because they've been playing the waiting game for the next gen car and I think his performance this year shows that he's trying to to mesh with the team well and and get them on the right step forward and I think he's going to be a, a dangerous uh contender for maybe even a playoff spot come next year
2: yeah I couldn't agree more with that. yeah I would agree
0: All right, with our review of the first half of the season done, uh, you've heard everything that we had to say about those top 20 drivers and a couple more. Uh, Let's get into this week's Walker joke. Uh, I think me and the guys have really been enjoying this. Uh, So let's get started. Um, Colton, looks like Brad Keselowski is rumored to be going over to Roush to have an ownership role of the team and drive the number six as an owner driver.
2: This one's tough for me. I'm on the fence, but I'm going to lean more towards Woke. Um, the last couple years, we've heard a ton of rumors about him leaving Penske. Um, last year, it was obviously him filling Jimmy Johnson's ride at the year's end. Um, this year, it's Roush. Um, we know he's he's probably not super happy at Penske anymore. Um, and even when Roger Penske was on the Dale Jr. download, he completely left out Brad Keselowski in his discussion of drivers. So it kind of goes to show the relationship they have there. Um the reason I'm on the fence is because it is Roush. However, the reason I'm leaning more towards Woke is because Kozlowski offers that veteran experience and knowledge of the newer cars that maybe Ryan Newman doesn't. Um so I am going to go Woke just because I feel like he can help turn that team around and it'd be good to see him getting get into a new ride.
1: I think I'm going to I'm going to go more on the Woke side for everything because as as people have said on this, they're like, oh, my gosh, you're going to Penske to Roush. It's like, what a downgrade. But the same, the same was said about Tony Stewart going to CNC and You know how that turned out. So I think Roush definitely has a lot of room to improve on track, and I think that they could with a driver like him because he'll attract a lot of talented individuals. And I think it, it suits Brad's role better because I don't think Penske offered as much on like the track for him. He's a businessman. He loves all that kind of stuff. He wants to be a cup owner. They're offering him cup ownership that he can continue his business ventures and all that kind of stuff. He had, even if the driving part wasn't as good, he has has more, I don't know how to phrase this. He has more ability to sort of set himself up for life after racing than what Penske ever would have gave him.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. Um, one 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 side being I'm, I'm kind of woke for Brad um, He He's found a very good love of doing business and being a guy that runs a company. Um, he definitely seems to have lived his tenure at Penske out, so I feel like it's a good, um, woke decision for him uh, to have an ownership and a leadership role and kind of build off of something uh, that used to be great and kind of rebuild it into a uh a longer lasting uh company and none of these owners are getting uh any younger so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's far fetched to see more drivers kind of going down this road. Um you know, Jeff Gordon kinda of taking over for Rick Hendrick in a little bit, um, you know, and maybe we see Kyle Bush with uh the Gibbs organization taking it from him uh whenever uh, Joe decides uh, he's he's done, uh, but I'm also kind of joke, uh, only because if this is true, uh, I wish we would have heard about it at the beginning of the season, uh, not based off of Brad Keselowski, because this could be a mid to late season thing that Brad Keselowski announces, but I would say it'd be a joke for uh, people who've been around the sport and absolutely adore Ryan Newman to not get a a retirement uh, tour if he is going to be leaving that ride at the end of the year. And that's the only reason I would say joke. Um,
2: well, and, and who's to say Ryan Newman's retiring? Maybe he gets split out of that ride and go picks up some. I mean, where is he going to go? Though? Another season too. I mean, I'm sure Ryan Newman can find a spot.
0: I mean, I mean, other than what I would love to see in the trucks and having him and, and guys like Biffle and, and, and the, like, run full truck series seasons. Um, I mean, wh- where in cup can Ryan Newman land that's not already being Well, filled? and maybe
2: that's something he does is he goes down to an Xfinity role or a truck role, you know. We saw Elliott Sadler do the same thing, and we didn't consider that him retiring. I think Newman can be really competitive in a lower role, and maybe that's the way he goes, or, you know, should he decide to retire? That's, I mean, I'd agree with you completely there. But I think we're going to still see Ryan Newman racing something in NASCAR in the in the couple of years to come. He hinted at it last year that he wasn't even close to feeling like he needs to retire yet.
0: And and I can I, I can agree with that sentiment, but I mean also the sport will also kind of tell you when it's time to retire. I mean, some guys just get pushed out, and and I could see Ryan Newman being one of those guys, um, despite the longevity.
2: I, I disagree. I disagree. Okay.
0: Uh, well, moving on to our next topic, um, apparently the governor of North Carolina has put in some uh, a bill to try and get $45 million of funding to fund the Moonshine Bootlegger Trail, and this would give $30 million to renovate uh, Rockingham, North Wilkesboro, and Charlotte Motor Speedway. Are you woke or joke?
2: All right, I'm going to pick up here. Uh I'm going to go 1,000 10,000% woke on this. I am super stoked if this actually passes. Um North Carolina is growing in population um by quite a bit. I think they're actually one of the highest growing states in the country um in terms of population and per capita growth. Um I am super stoked to see them kind of latch onto those NASCAR routes. And let's be honest here. This money is going more towards Rockyham and North, North Wilkesboro than it is to Charlotte. Um, I know they do use Charlotte for quite a bit of events and stuff like that, um, but it's going to be to renovate those two tracks into getting them race ready again to bring the big crowds, to bring the concerts, to bring the NASCAR races, etc., etc. I am super stoked about this. I really hope it passes. 10,000% um, woke on this.
0: I can't do anything other than
1: agree with Colton. It's a woke. There's a no, it's a no brainer. I don't need to elaborate
0: yeah um i'm gonna say woke um colton you said uh most of the money's gonna go uh to the other two older tracks but actually the way that it looks like it's written uh which is kind of disappointing each track would receive 10 million dollars and i don't think charlotte needs any of that money and i don't know if that is to give just to smi because i'm pretty sure that smi still owns the north World property and maybe they could uh Buy back the Rockingham property. I'm not sure. Uh, Rockingham has been re- recently used as as late, or I guess as early back as 2013 for racing um, in NASCAR with the Truck Series, uh, and then they also held I want to say two or three uh, music festivals with with Carolina Rebellion for a couple of years in a row. Uh, so that place has the the facilities still somewhat capable of being uh, race ready very soon. Um, North Wilkesboro. I'm not sure what that means for them. I don't know. Are we going to see racing again? Are they going to restore it to, uh, just be good enough for a historic site? Uh, because I think it's going to take a lot more than 10 million to get that thing running.
2: And I would elaborate on that a little bit. If it does go to SMI, kind of like you alluded to, um, the 10 million could go towards Charlotte and make it into a full fan amenity, um, year-round kind of experience. Um, it could also go to SMI's hands to where they really renovate North Wilkesboro. And let's be honest here, we're not going to see the old North Wilkesboro. They're going to either reconfigure the track or completely repave it and try to do something to kind of change it up. I, I don't think um, they would. I think they've. I still think they keep the short track. Um, I, I don't see them tearing up that pavement and just laying down new pavement and redoing the grandstands. I see if they're going to tear down the grandstands and the infield, them just starting from scratch and calling it a new track um, still under that Wilkesboro name. You see,
0: that's where I would hopefully um, say that you're wrong. Um, I know people are like, well, we could at least just tear the stuff, the, the track up and put dirt down. Um, eh, I don't know that necessarily having a designated dirt track is something that i want i don't we talked about it before i don't want dirt racing in nascar especially with the next gen car coming um but north Works world's character is that it was a little bit longer than a traditional half mile and it had downhill on the back straightaway and uphill on the front straightaway or vice versa uh if i'm wrong on that and i i would hope that they would not mess with that. I would hope that that configuration would come back because it's very unique. We don't have that anywhere else in NASCAR.
2: Yeah, and I could see them keeping that. However, it's still reconfiguring the track a little bit. Um, granted, this is SMI, and we've seen them do some or- unorthodox things in the past few years. Um, I wouldn't put it out of the ballpark, and honestly, that's kind of the way I think they would go. However, I'm with you, and I would hope that they just keep the track as is and just redo the payment on it and call it good.
1: If it can work, that's great. If it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. So I'm I'm hoping they get to do it because it's something that people never thought would ever be possible.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people thought that the whole Save the Speedway movement uh, these last couple of weeks was kind of a joke, but looks like it's actually coming to fruition. So that's going to be really cool. Um, next up is a bunch of tweets that I saw on Sunday and the days after and that was that Hendrick is back. And I guess this is alluding to the fact that they have a young driver core and they really haven't been doing much since uh, even the last two years of Jimmy's tenure there.
2: I am going to go joke. Um, Hendrick, for me, has always been there. Even though they had that young driver core, I'd expect them to kind of have a little bit of hiccups and uh, to kind of stumble for a year or two but they still won the championship last year. Saying that Hendrick is back is just an absurd statement that some of these fans are making. Um, it is absolutely joked joke because Hendrick, for me, has always been there. They've just kind of waited on the drivers to kind of pick it up.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to go woke, too, on this one because I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, there's like a particular team, team this year, but when it comes to 750 tracks, Hendrick kind of has everyone's number on. I don't see them slowing down either. And I think that they're only going to get better with time and experience because a lot of the drivers are young. So I see no real downside to the team.
0: Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go joke on this. Um, we know that Chevy had that slump a couple of years ago. We know that Jimmy didn't really take to the uh, lower horsepower packages, and that's why you know he exited. To go to IndyCar, we talked about that last week. Um, Hendrick Motorsports has always been Hendrick Motorsport. If they're not top dog, it's because JGR is better than them. Uh, and right now, JGR has not really been better than them. They are, they are three really good cars, and then Alex Bowman who's sealing the deal. Uh, so nothing I have to say. Uh, they never went anywhere. Uh, what are you guys? What are you guys talking about? Um, so. With that being said, earlier in the week we saw a feud kind of bubble up but it wasn't really a feud. Uh, Marcus Lemonis kind of publicly came out and said that uh, Sheldon Creed refused my money.
2: I am going to go as a business guy joke completely on this one. Um, Sheldon Creed didn't refuse your money. You only offered him $15,000 as was revealed. Um, and To the point of the business side of it if you sell sheldon creed this sponsorship for fifteen thousand, granted sheldon creed is a series champion in nascar he is one of the top trucks week in week out um if you sell him this this primary sponsorship and wrap the car for 15 grand and let's be honest here it costs about three grand to wrap a car so really you're only getting 12 out of it twelve thousand dollars isn't enough to sponsor a truck um if you take a competitive truck out to race every week, you're going to be spending a hundred grand a week. So if you sell that one for fifteen grand, well, all of a sudden, all these other sponsors are going to say, "Wait a minute, I'm paying X amount of money. Why is fifteen grand going to cover the weekly bill?" Um, is, this is a good move on Sheldon's part, bad on Marcus Lemonis for just assuming that any money is good money. Um, you know the phrase that beggars can't be choosers. Well, they can be. Um, needing a sponsorship and taking pennies on the dollar are not even close to being the same thing. Um, that's like saying if I'm trying to sell this classic car for 20 grand and someone offers me a 100 bucks for it, that I should be thankful for that 100 bucks. Um, it, it's not even close to what is needed to really sponsor these trucks.
1: Yeah, I think honestly, as bad as it looks office wise for an unsponsored driver to refuse a sponsor, I think that part of this leans towards Woke for me because I think that as as it's been said many times, he knows his value. His family has money to where they're probably paying more out of their own pocket for his truck than, than Camping World would. So I think that there's a method to his madness.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to go joke as well. I mean, I love Marcus Limonis to death. Um, he's put a lot of money in his sport. Uh, Creed was sponsored uh, in that Las Vegas race with a bunch of other cars and and I think when they only got 15k for that race he was like yeah we can't keep doing this GMS is a championship winning team they they need more money than some guys that are running you know 20th place back and that's a little bit harsh to say it but these guys at the back of the pack are trying to buy tires they're trying they're trying to get on tv they're trying to do this that and the other that fifteen grand goes a long way for someone who needs it. Uh, someone who needs to be better than their competition needs more than fifteen grand. If they were a late model driver, yeah, fifteen grand, hell of a sponsorship. Uh, Sheldon Creed, championship winning driver, no, no, it's 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 not, and um, they don't need the money. Uh, Nathan alluded to it. Family's got money. His granddad owns a utility construction company. And, I mean, there's nothing else to say that. I mean, if you've got money coming in, you want extra money from sponsors, and the extra money is going to get you that championship. Fifteen grand, that might get you a couple sets of tires.
2: Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more with that. Fifteen grand would go a lot further with a guy like Jordan Anderson than it would with a GMS truck.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and kind of moving away from nascar uh because we don't just focus on nascar this is a motorsports podcast uh let's let's talk about what's going on across the pond uh this weekend nathan i'll let you lead this one off uh the mclaren team is not running their usual colors this week you want to say uh woke or joke and kind of allude to what they're doing
1: uh first of all um, for the people that don't know it's a golf throwback the famous light blue and orange Obviously, it's a very iconic livery in racing if you don't live under a roof And I, I don't i don't even have to elaborate on the fact that it's, it's low because I have UNC Jordan 11s because I like the gulf blue. I have tons of blue clothing because I like the color gulf blue. We even wrapped a fishing rod in gulf-themed colors because we like gulf blue. And I'm probably about to get a helmet painted in gulf blue because it's my favorite color and the fact that they're finally getting an F one car for the first time since like nineteen seventy six or whatever. Like th- this is probably like a lifelong dream for me. Paint scheme wise, I, I gotta I gotta buy the model. I gotta get the merchandise. So this is this is probably my favorite ever throwback livery for F one series.
2: Yeah, this is a complete woke. Um, you talk about the most iconic schemes or liveries of all time. Um, and this absolutely has to be in the conversation, at least in the top five. Um, you think of when you think of most iconic motorsports of all time, you think of the black number three, you think of the red and white Ferrari, and then you think of the blue McLaren. Um, this is fantastic, and I couldn't think of a better weekend for them to do it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I mean, it's unanimous vote from woke. I mean, golf colors are golf colors. If you're a fan of motorsports and you don't like this paint scheme on any car that it has been on, um, you're a joke, uh, and that and that's that's pretty much where I got to leave it at. I mean, we've seen this this scheme on anything from Formula One cars to uh, IMSA cars to uh, WEC cars to you know racing cars at Le Mans. I mean, it's just it's classic. It's been everywhere. It's gonna be everywhere. It's just it's probably the best paint scheme slash livery in motorsports and I'll start this next one off because it hits me close to the heart Monaco is this weekend and that's a joke Um, uh, as I've alluded to I think it was on episode two when Nathan and I kind of introduced ourselves I was born on the greatest day in racing and this is the second time now that I can remember in my life. I think the other time was 2010 that we didn't have the big, the greatest day in racing. I wake up. I watch Monaco at 8. I wait till lunch. I watch the Indy 500. I wait till 6 p.m. I watch the Coke 600. And I'm pretty sure every one of you that's listening does that too. It's the greatest day in motorsports. How can you mess that up? Why is the Monaco GP
2: one weekend early? Yeah, this is a complete joke. Um, I don't know who planned this out or why they do it this way, uh, but it's Motorsports Christmas on the Sunday before Memorial Day. Um, We have the Monaco GP. We have the Indy 500. We have the Coke 600. All kind of forms of racing that you could ever want as a true motorsports fan. um, The peak pinnacle of motorsports, and it's not on the same weekend as it traditionally is. This is going to be a joke.
1: I could agree wholeheartedly. I, every year of most of my life, I look forward to waking up early in the morning, watch Monaco, then you watch the 8500, and then you watch the Coke 600. The fact that whoever in charge of scheduling the race at Monaco basically doesn't seem to have any of the worldwide racing fans in mind, that's just a massive joke. Because it, it, it even got F1 fans into the other series that day, and now... You pretty much took all that momentum and threw it away.
0: Yeah, and even if you don't watch any of the other series, you know, they call the Indy 500 the greatest spectacle in racing. I'm going to watch that if I'm a racing fan, if I watch Formula 1 only. Uh And then they're going to say, hey, we have this other race tonight. You know what? I'm already 30 beers in. It's, what, 9 o'clock at night? Uh I might as well just stay up till 10, 11 o'clock tonight and watch the race that comes on in NASCAR and watch those crazy Rednecks go 600 miles, because why not? It's the greatest day in racing. I'm sure that that the Europeans love it. The guys in, you know, the Japan and Australia, New Zealand area of the world, the Pacific Coast, I guess you'd call that, uh, they love it. And, and, and for Americans, I mean, it's, it's just the best. I mean, you wake up and you get breakfast, you have your coffee, you watch a race, You go and you make lunch on the grill and you watch a race. And then you go and you make dinner on the grill and you watch another race. I mean, what's not to like? Like Colton said, Christmas in racing, why, how, how, how hard is it? it, How do you mess this up?
2: Last weekend in May, every year, how it should be, Monaco GP.
0: Right. I, I, I don't have anything else to say. With that being said, we're going to kind of try and be F1 this week in NASCAR. We're going to an FIA grade one facility in Austin, Texas at Circuit of the Americas. And Colton, I'll lead this one off with you again. They are going to put the timing line for qualifying between turns 18 and 19 to reduce the time that it takes for them to get back to pit road uh, during the qualifying sessions, which I think are going to be 25 minute first round and a 12 minute second round
2: um you know i'm gonna go woke just because it is the cup cars um and they're really trying something new here this is the first time they're ever going to race at circuit of the americas um so i really applaud them for at least trying to change something around to make sure the cars get the best lap possible without running them as much as possible um so this is going to be a woke for me
1: yeah i'm gonna agree with you on that other series are very commonly known for doing this, such as say any car in most circumstances. I think it's smart for, for them to not have to drive the entire length around the track to get back to the pace. It's just easier this way to set up its minimum before pin entry. So I'm going to have to go. Up.
0: Yeah, I've been doing, um, some iracing this week and the lap times are going to be, uh, two minutes plus, uh, I know I'm not indicative of how fast a cup driver can go around the track, but two minutes to get back to the pits when the session is timed is really, really rough. And I think that probably takes a good three to five minutes at low speed to get back around to the pits. So very woke from NASCAR to shorten that lap up by uh, having the start finish line for For the uh, qualifying laps being you know right before pit entry so that as soon as a guy comes off a hot lap he can go in the pits cooler down and then uh, make a few setup changes go right back out uh, instead of wasting time with that being said we only have one more worker joke and this is really recent Uh, currently while we're recording they are doing the iRacing Pro Invitational Series race at Circuit of the Americas and if any of you have raced in iRacing you know that usually there are no yellows in road courses. And our friend Zach from the Gay Racing Podcast says that there's no cautions in the Pro Invitational and then a bunch of letters in excitement. So based on his tweet, I will say, um, Woke or joke, stage stage racing ruins strategy for road courses. Uh, 100%
2: woke on the stages ruined strategy for road courses. We've seen it year in year out since they've started stage racing, um, everything from Watkins Glen to the Daytona road course to Infineon. Um, when I watch road courses, I watch for that strategy. I like to see guys like Terry Labonte get a top three in that 96 car. Um, I like to see guys play the strategy and that's where we really see the road course ringers come in is because they know how to drive them. They know what the strategy should be. Um, throwing these extra two cautions in there really ruins all of that for me. Um, especially as a, a whole racing fan as I like to think of myself rather than just a stock car fan. Um, I really hate to see this, the stages ruin the race like that.
1: Yeah. I'm going to have to go woke too, because when you talk about the strategy it kind of, it puts everyone's hands behind their backs to where they're forced to do one thing. You see it a lot with Sonoma. Um, you literally you have to decide between stage points or the race win, and you literally cannot do both at the same time. It's just too. It's sort of taken out the element of, you know, what do we want to prioritize? What do we want to? What do we want to aim for? Do we want both? Do we want one or the other? And now it's just, it, it sort of um, gives everyone a blueprint of what they're supposed to do already, compared to prior days of road courses like Colton saying where you could kind of just you could all have different agendas. Now it pretty much puts everyone on the same page.
0: Yeah, uh since I kind of made the statement based off of uh Zach's tweet, uh just gonna have to go woke. Um nothing really more that I can say that you guys did. I mean it ruins Pit strategy for me. Um I've said it before on the podcast. I would be more excited for all these road courses if we didn't have stage cautions, and that's kind of where I'm going to stand. Uh, With that being said, we've got three races there, Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup. Um, This is going to be a big weekend, so I think we're pretty much done with the regular show. Nathan, if you want to send us in. Well,
1: now it's time for picks. It looks like Alex got the win with Alex Bowman, grabbed another two points and moved up to eight points. Colton is now up to four points, and then the lead between me and Alex is tightening up to four points. And interestingly enough, it looks like I'm going to go first this week because my pick still finished. I don't even know where my pick finished. Kevin Harris. Um, If you had a Hendrick car, you probably did better than me. So I'm just going to take the low-hanging fruit since I'm the first pick. I got to go with Martin Truex. Heavy tire wear road course. It's almost like a bigger version of Sonoma, where Drews is already dominant, in himself, like where he's already dominant every single time. So it's I I gotta go easy this time around. I I tried to gamble last week, it didn't work, so I'm just gonna go the easy way. Yeah, huh.
2: um, man, took the low hanging fruit there. I'm gonna have to go with Chase Elliott. Um, you mentioned it's kind of just a bigger version of Sonoma and it's, it's a super smooth track, even compared to Sonoma being an FIA. Um, I don't even know how they, how they rank, whether it's a three or a five on the FIA scale. Um, but this is a, a formula one track. I think chase is going to really play into this whole smooth track. Um, nice wide passing zones for him. Um, and we saw him when they raced at the new road courses at Daytona. Um, And even when he lit it up at Watkins Glen for a couple years in a row, um, Chase is going to get the win this weekend. I am certain of that.
0: Well, uh, you guys took the absolutely easiest two picks that you could have. So thanks for that. Um, Alex Bowman getting me the win um, gave me two points, but really put me at a disadvantage because who's not going to pick the 9 or the 19? Um, So I'm going to have to go with the third lowest hanging fruit of the – Road course ringer coming in, driving the number 16 of A.J. Allmendinger. I'm very confident that he can be a spoiler for someone who's trying to win on a road course and get themselves into the playoffs. Someone like a, I don't know, Chase Briscoe, who we know is a really good road racer. He got his first win at the Roval uh, in that 98 car. I, I think A.J. Almendinger with his cup experience can beat someone like that. Um, yeah, so other than that, I, I guess who are you guys looking out for to be someone who may put a dent in these guys' uh, chances that we picked? I, I'd say uh, top of the list there is obviously going to be Austin Sindrick.
1: Yeah, I think Sindrick Almendinger; those guys are definitely going to do good. Um, another one, like I said, I would probably do with Kurt Busch. You never really know how he goes on road courses. Sometimes he just pulls up some really good results out of nowhere. And with it being a new track, it wouldn't surprise me if he has another kind of a surprise top five or even contends. There's a lot of a lot of different guys that you can really argue for.
2: Yeah, um, surprise upset for the week. I'm gonna look at Kyle Larson. He did really good at the Daytona road course. Um, until the closing laps where he kind of overshot a corner. Um, I look at a guy like Ryan Blaney who won the first Oval or Roval race at Charlotte. Yeah. Um, He kind of stole one from MTJ and Jimmy Johnson, Um, but he was still running third at the time and was close enough to steal that win after they had collided in the chicane. Um, I look at a guy like Christopher Bell who kind of stole one at the Daytona road course earlier this year. Um, And I look at those middle pack guys, um, even a Bubba Wallace, who is running really good at the road course this year at Daytona, Ooh. come in and maybe not steal a win, but maybe even really get a good top five, top three finish. I just
0: out of even Bubba uh, himself yeah. says he's not really that good of a road course racer, so I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, I, don't I, know. I was gonna go with Larson, but I just the
1: fact that Sonoma is such a struggle for him. He always puts it on the pole, and then tire managing is such an issue for him there. And people are saying that. Coda might be the most abrasive road course they've ever raced on.
0: So Yeah, the S's are really, really mm-hmm. technical. And if you get the flow wrong, you can lose seconds of your laps right there. And then
1: – Yeah, and I think that's where yeah. Truex is good. I think he's a – Elliot might be better on the brakes. He might be better getting off the corner. He's good at places like the Roval or Daytona road course that are sort of – the tracks don't have a lot of flow to them. They're just – it's all about getting well, the that's... exit but. When it comes to like carrying momentum, places like Sonoma—that's where TrueX. Well, that's
0: where the stadium is. section comes in. So Chase Haley—it'll probably be better than TrueX or the stadium section, if what you say holds true. So it that right. should be a pretty, pretty good race.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. And again, I'll stand with everyone I just said. I would fully expect Bubba to steal a top ten out of this. Um, for this week, I am not going to do a giveaway because no one has won any of the giveaways that I have done so far. Um, so I will give you a shout-out if you so happen to tweet me with the word COTA, C-O-T-A. Um, maybe you'll win all of the giveaways. I don't know. I've still got all of them sitting in the corner of my house. I'll figure it out if someone tweets me at it.
0: All right. Well, that was a really good show this week, guys. Um, next week we'll be starting a new series um, called What Ifs in Racing. So uh, it should be really fun uh as always if you've listened this far in the episode we appreciate it uh go follow us go talk to us uh, drop us a dm on twitter at FanFuel podcast one that's a capital f capital f capital p and tag the number one at the end uh you can listen to us here on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and several more um thanks to anchor who we've just moved to and uh